I'm Wilson King, and this is ADD History. Episode, uh, zero. Chapter Explainer. This first series of episodes happens in the hazy time of prehistory. In fact, it could almost be called pre-prehistory, because quote-unquote history kind of starts around 5,000 years ago, and this chapter covers everything up to around 11,000 years ago. As in, before then. This whole podcast is about a light and continuous narrative of history, because I'm of the opinion that nothing that is happening can truly be understood without understanding what happened before then. It's a little tongue-in-cheek to start at the beginning of the universe, but that does demonstrate my point. I'm a bit of an absurdist, after all, and it's pretty absurd to stuff 15 billion years of history into three and a half hours. Thankfully for me, there's not a ton of detail about that first 14 and a half billion years, if we even understand the truth of it at all. The first episode explains the vast majority of the time that Earth has existed, extremely casually. The second picks up after the meteor that ended the dinosaurs, and the third explains human evolution. That's all pretty basic bitch science, and there's very little that would ruffle the feathers of anyone who wasn't a hardcore creationist. The laid-back creationist would probably be able to see how God totally could have casually made all that happen. More on that later. After that is when we get into the strange stuff. The forgotten period of prehistoric humanity is a really wild topic if you aren't going out of your way to make it boring. By that, I mean there are deeper stories than cavemen figuring out agriculture for the first time around 6,000 years ago, but they involve parts of our story that can't be proven beyond the shadow of a doubt. It is a fact that humans have a story beyond our memory, and there are clues to what that story might be. Those stories were ancient to the people we think of as ancient, and now they are so erased by time that it's little more than a bunch of legends and mysterious structures built out of gigantic stones. I'll dwell on that topic for too long soon. Don't you worry. The fourth episode takes a detour into the interesting and wild theory that humans were genetically engineered by aliens. Yeah, I know. It is a fun story, even if it's not true. On the other hand, the alien topic is getting pretty mainstream now, as even the U.S. government is kinda sorta admitting that aliens may or may not totally be real by now. In ancient history, it would explain a lot, like why ancient people totally believed in gods that came from the sky. It's probably the strangest story that I'll ever tell on this show. Until, you know, the CIA. I'm sure I'm taking a flamethrower to my credibility with all the normies right out of the gate by even bringing this up, but hey... I'm not even saying it's true, it's just an interesting story. Do what you want with it. Think for yourself. Anyway, episode 5 gets into the fascinating subject of megalithic structures. I happen to believe that this is the right place in the timeline for that episode, though there are some establishment types who would want to punch me for that. This is a little less of a cringy conspiracy theory topic than aliens making humanity, but it's still strangely taboo to ponder how, when, and why people bother to build all these crazy structures in such an overachieving way. There are a ton of giant stone structures on Earth that you've probably never heard of that are mind-shatteringly weird. I'm going to bring them up, and at very least it will inspire you to improve your landscaping game. The last episode of this chapter deals with the end of the Ice Age which is possibly the most important event in human history that we've nearly all forgotten about. 
Yeah, the Ice Age ended around 12,000 years ago. It was a way bigger deal than you'd think, and that was not that long ago in the scheme of things. People just like us, not cave monkey men, but people who would fit in just fine at like a concert, lived through that. It was probably totally epic, but in a apocalypse kind of way. The first three episodes deal a lot with evolution. I am aware that a lot of people believe in some form of creationism, that a almighty creator made the universe and therefore us. For starters, I don't dislike you guys at all, even though my perspective is different. I'm not an atheist, nor do my beliefs fit into an organized religion, but I do not begrudge the people who do. Respectfully, I would like to suggest the possibility that evolution is not necessarily incompatible with the idea of God creating the universe. If I were creating a universe, I would absolutely make life that evolves on its own so I don't have to sit around micromanaging it. And I am surely not as intelligent or busy as any creator of the universe. In fact, the beginning of the universe and life makes just about as much sense as being the act of some kind of creator as any other reason, and maybe more. If the universe, the earth, and life that evolves and self-improves are a cosmic accident, they are an extremely convenient one. If subatomic forces were greater or lesser, nothing would really be able to exist. The molecule we know so well as water is practically magical in some ways, and many intelligent people have mentioned that if this abundant molecule didn't have the very strange and specific qualities it does, life would have essentially had no chance of existing. Even brilliant scientists with names that we all know have seen these things as some evidence of a higher power. I mention that just to clarify that while I'm citing the science, I think it is very counterproductive for the fight between science and religion to keep raging on like it's the 1500s. Seriously, guys, get get the fuck over it. The first three episodes will make some think I am a godless heretic, and the next three episodes will make others think I'm a lunatic Bible thumper. That's because there will be a mention of an epic flood in the later episodes, which is a story that is mostly famous from the Bible in the Western world. But, you know, fucking read a book. In fact, epic flood stories that take place around the end of the Ice Age exist in practically every culture on Earth. Just because the Bible mentions the flood doesn't mean it's fake. In the same way that the book mentioning the Romans doesn't mean Rome was fake. I'll admit, the biblical flood story is fucking ridiculous, but... It was a stretch, guys, come on. It's a book. Like a very old book. That's what happens. I would like to think that I am neither a godless science worshipper, nor a lunatic Bible thumper, but just a curious person who has studied many perspectives and builds opinions off of the places where the truth seems to line up. If there was a global cataclysm a long time ago, it's only logical that the story would show up in religion, and it's only logical that a religious perspective would assume that God had something to do with the story. Interpret it however you want. But there was probably some flooding events that were worth writing down around the end of the Ice Age. Whether you think it was caused by God or ExxonMobil. So, the last three episodes of this chapter will be on subjects that some would call pseudo-history to one degree or another. A prefix that essentially means fake. While I won't really get all up in arms about somebody calling the ancient aliens theory doubtful, I will absolutely back up the idea that megalithic structures and the cataclysmic end of the Ice Age are real and an important part of the human story. Those two subjects, which are probably connected, are things I am extremely passionate about, and I could frankly do an entire podcast just on that general subject, really. 
Really, the point is, is that this period covered in this chapter is very mysterious. No one really starts throwing hands over the dinosaurs, but the subject of early humanity is super controversial in some ways. That's because we don't really know what happened, but some egomaniacs believe that they know everything, and they think that anyone who doesn't agree with them, without question, is an idiot who believes in fairy tales. Here at the ADD History Podcast, we believe people who know that they know everything are unpleasant assholes, and they're probably wrong, too. I have found that Socrates said it best. The more I know, the more I know that I know nothing at all. This is the basis I'm working from, that any given perspective, whether religious, scientific, or pothead theory, could be 100% true or false, and it would barely surprise me. Alright, I mean, there, there's an exception. If the world is actually flat, I'd be pretty surprised about that. That's... Uh, stupid. Aside from that, anything goes, because I know that I know nothing. To find the truth, one must spend some time exploring subjects that are probably not true. On that note, you will hear me use words like supposedly, might have, or probably a painful amount in these episodes. All information we have about the time before the end of the Ice Age is shaky, no matter how much we study it. I knew a lot about this stuff before I started this project, and researching for these episodes has made me understand even deeper how little we actually know about any of it. None of this first chapter is as much of a story as I would like it to be. ADD history is about telling stories, but the first chapter is almost more of a prologue. I'll be talking much more about science than I will be later in the show, where I'll be detailing the deeds of blood-soaked madmen like Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan and all those fun characters. We'll get there soon enough. It's more exciting, but this stuff is very interesting too, I promise. While we're here, I plan to make these chapter explainer episodes some kind of big-picture guide for the following episodes. There's usually some thematic concepts that are relevant and important to a given chapter of history, and they'll be mentioned enough times in the following episodes that it's best to fully explain them here so I can say them in shorthand in the context of the episodes. The first concept I'll be referring to a lot in this chapter is what I'll call lost object theory. This concept boils down to the idea that in most cases, advanced objects like tools, vehicles, and even things like plastic are fully deteriorated in a thousand years or less. What I mean is that if there were a computer or a laser gun that existed 20,000 years ago, it's almost positive that it's nothing more than sand by now. The exception to this is, essentially, things that are made out of gigantic stones. To demonstrate this important point about the ancient world, with or without humans, imagine a modern car abandoned in a field. In 20 years, the field is colonized by young trees. In 40 years, the glass has been broken by falling branches and hail, and the paint is peeling around the rust that is starting to consume the car from every direction. Everything soft in the car is gradually being turned into nesting material for the small creatures living in and around the car. Ultraviolet radiation is breaking down everything that rodents in oxidation can't. In a thousand years, there is nothing but tiny shards of plastic if they happen to be covered just right from sunlight, traces of iron oxide and other metals in the ground, and the glass has almost entirely returned to sand. Time has chewed this marvel of engineering with erosion, rust, and often actually small teeth, and what was once a car might as well have never existed. Anything worth recycling, which for most of history has been practically all metals, likely gets taken by those who need it or its monetary value. In addition to the weathering that slowly breaks things down, there are the somewhat obvious occurrences that break things down very quickly, like fires and floods and volcanoes and occasionally meteors. 
For this reason, it's rather remarkable and rare for anything at all to be preserved for more than a thousand years in any way. A notable exception is things made out of gigantic stones, but even if megalithic structures were built tens of millions of years ago, they would be completely erased by time by now. I have thought about that, though. Like, when you're walking around on some hiking trail and you see some, like, oddly square boulder, like, is that some kind of, like, dinosaur temple or something? Anyway. As far as organic material goes, almost nothing gets preserved. If a life form is edible, it probably gets eaten, if even by simple bacteria. The fossils we have of dinosaur skeletons and all that kind of stuff are actually only of those creatures who were stupid or unlucky enough to fall into a swamp and die. Of those swamps, it's very unlikely that they will be in the right conditions for the following millions of years to be able to produce the fossils. So, though it's tempting to think that we have a good idea of the things that lived and went on during the age of the dinosaurs, we really only have a vague idea of less than 1% of what was living at whatever vague time we think it may have existed. To get an idea of when something existed, carbon dating is used, a process that compares the decay of radioactive isotopes of carbon and organic matter. But there is a pretty vigorous debate on whether any of that information can be thought of as truly accurate. In my totally unprofessional opinion, I'd say it's a helpful tool, but not a perfect explainer of the ultimate truth. I am, of course, not an expert on the subject, nor do I wish to clarify the positions of the debating factions. But there are lots of reasons to be skeptical about any of the methods that are used for determining what time frame something is from. Look into it yourself. It's sketchier than you'd think. Something that works pretty well is what ancient layer of rock you find a thing in. That always means it's at least very old, and gives a very rough estimate of the time frame. Shaky dating of things is going to come up a lot in the next couple episodes, especially once we get to humans during the Ice Age. The latter three episodes in this chapter have to do with subjects that are partially known through interpreting mythology. While I will mention any scientific evidence for them when I can, I feel like I should first explain a concept I call telephone theory. There's a game I and you probably and many others played as children called telephone. The players sit in a circle and the first person whispers a word or a phrase into the ear of the person next to them and so on. By the time the word or phrase gets back to the first person, it is rarely even close to the original word or phrase. The more people the message goes through, the more altered the message will be by the end. This game for children is relevant to history because it is similar to how stories get passed down the generations when they weren't written down at the time of the event. Some mythological stories may have been based on events that really did happen, but the story got pretty ridiculous after a thousand years of elders telling it to the children around a campfire. To demonstrate, imagine a ship called the Dolphin. The ship gets wrecked during a storm on a large but isolated island. A hundred men and a hundred women survive, and they never get rescued. Life is hard on the island, and the people struggle to survive. These people know the world outside of their island, and they tell their kids about airplanes and computers and the animals that their children will never see. The passengers and crew of the Dolphin carve their story and names into a rock, in case it's ever found. The first generation learned to read and write, but the only books that they have are a miraculously preserved set of Lord of the Rings and a copy of Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life. The second generation learns more about fishing than literacy. The people need food, water, and shelter, and written language becomes kind of a waste of time. Though they remember Twelve Rules for Life and the story of Frodo and Sam, the hobbits that saved the world. 
100 years after the shipwreck, the original survivors are all long dead in one way or another. The people on the island, the only place that they have ever known, speak a language that isn't quite the same as the language the original survivors spoke. They've been told stories of how their ancestors arrived on a boat from the ocean, but the only boat that they've ever seen was a raft. They've been told stories of furry dogs and cats, but the only animals that they've ever seen are fish, iguanas, and turtles. 1,000 years after the shipwreck, the people of the island call themselves the people of the dolphin, a reference to a time where a gigantic dolphin threw them up on the island. The rock their ancestors carved their name on is now the center of a shrine, where they teach their kids the story of their history. The story tells of how their people went west after the Great War of the Ring, following Frodo, who saved the world by throwing an evil ring into a fiery mountain. Frodo followed the Twelve Sacred Rules. He stood up straight with his shoulders back like a happy lobster, and he always pet an iguana when he saw one on the beach. Their story is wildly inaccurate, but it is what is remembered after all that time. While that example is a little ridiculous, it's, you know, kind of like that, uh, you know, the kids from Beyond Thunderdome, if you've ever seen that Mad Max movie. Anyway, it does kind of make the point. For a thousand years, the survivors essentially played the game telephone from one generation to the next. Tiny nuggets of truth remain in their mythologized story of how they ended up on the island, but it sounds batshit crazy out of context. When looking at some of the strange stories of our mythology, it's worth wondering if those stories are about real events that got told by generations of people who explain technology as magic, etc., etc. Lost object theory makes the point that any technology from thousands of years ago is almost guaranteed to be erased by time, and telephone theory states that countless years can, and probably do, turn a logical story into a strange myth. Together, these two concepts form the basis for interpreting ancient mythological stories as being potentially about very real things that we could understand. Both the Egyptians and Aztecs have stories of godlike figures who showed up on a boat carried by snakes bringing them civilization. Weird, but they do. One can assume that it's just a crazy story, or maybe it's people telling the story of technology that they can no longer understand thousands of years later. I think it is possible or even likely that some kind of advanced human civilization existed before the end of the Ice Age. When the Ice Age ended, it appears to have done so in a way that was completely apocalyptic, which erased most of the evidence of these ancient civilizations from around the globe. What remains is crazy stories and gigantic stone structures. At very least, it seems like the people of that time were very, very good at building things out of gigantic rocks. So, that lays out the groundwork for the ADD history version of the time before history. This chapter is a blend of science and speculation with a touch of mythology. Nothing I say in this chapter should be thought of as absolute truth, but it's a very interesting and complicated part of the human story. Thanks for listening. I hope you like it. Briefly, I'll make a writer's note. Like a complete lunatic, I actually thought I'd be able to fit all the information contained in all six of the following episodes including this one, into the first 30-minute episode. To be fair, I had planned less detours into crazy, deep, esoteric topics, but I think it was worth it. Regardless, I'm learning that there's going to be a learning curve. At the time of recording, I'm well into writing the second season. It's a lot of work, by the way. Each episode is essentially a 25-page audiobook. Each season is a pretty healthy novel. There's a lot of research that goes into it, believe it or not, and I'm writing in six months the same amount that many of my favorite writers take six years to write. In theory, if I manage to actually keep up that pace. Sure, 
I'm probably not doing it as well, but I'm trying not to be sloppy about it either. You gotta start somewhere. I'm literally re-recording this because of how much better I've gotten at all of it. As a creative, I've always struggled a bit with hating the song I wrote two months ago. The next album will be better, the next season's funnier, and on and on. Actual characters and dialogue is something this season mostly lacks due to the subject matter, but I've really been liking where the show is going to go. The show itself has evolved quite a bit since I started it, but I hope you'll watch it grow with me. It's getting better all the time, and I promise to try to make it worth your time. Thanks again, and on with the show. (laughs) 